good morning. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor Barry, and I'm the executive pastor here at New Life. And whether this is your first time or you're joining us online or you've been coming for a number of weeks, months, years, we're just so glad that you decided to join us this weekend for worship. Uh, many of you know that we are in the middle of a series called Mountain Monologues, where we're looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the past couple of weeks, we've been focusing in on Matthew chapter 6, primarily looking at a couple of holy practices that Jesus outlines there. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chris was able to share on giving and generosity. Last week, he was able to share on prayer. And this week, I have the honor and privilege of sharing on fasting. Yes, that's a, the nervous laughter is good laughter. Yeah, that really sucks it out, the wind out of the room when you talk about fasting, right? And you go, oh, goodness, not doing fun. Yeah. So anyway, fasting, here we go. Now, I don't know if any of you are like me. Gentlemen, I think you, you and I can relate, perhaps. Ladies, I honestly don't know how your minds work, so <laughs> sorry. Um, but a couple of years ago, in the spring of 2017, uh, I, was, I was getting ready for the morning, right? And I kind of have my morning routine. You get up, you get a shower, right? And so I'm standing uh, in front of the mirror after the shower, gazing into the mirror and thinking, man, you look really good. <laughs> now, actually, I had a guy come out last night. He said, I was just thinking the same thing. I'm like, I know, right? We chest bumped. <laughs> I wanted to. We didn't. And I thought, you know, so anyways, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you look really good, but, you know, a couple areas are rounding out a little bit. You might need to tighten it up in a few key areas. Now, I'd had some conversations like this in the past, and typically what, what I would do is I would set a bunch of crazy and unrealistic goals. Any of you ever been there? Like, I'm going to run a marathon in four weeks. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in three weeks. I'm going to leap a building in a single bound, right? That type of stuff. And then by the end of the month, you're discouraged, you haven't hit your goals, you're laying on the couch watching Netflix, eating ice cream. Been there? So, you know, I'd done that a few times. And I thought, you know, this time I'm actually going to take a little bit of a different approach, and I'm going to implement what we call life management. And Pastor Chris has talked about this several times. But life management is this holistic approach to a healthy lifestyle that goes through seven key elements. Uh, prayer, uh, excuse me, rest, prayer, physical care, which is eating and exercise and addictive behaviors, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, what's the, the relationships? Study, work, and finances. So those seven key things. And I thought, you know, if I could tighten up in a number of those key areas, I think my life would be drastically different. And it needed to be. So I set some realistic goals. And uh, I went to Pastor Chris and asked if he would be willing to keep me accountable. And he said he would be. And so we started down the path. Now, like most things, it's a couple steps forward, one or two steps back, right? Made some slow, steady progress, didn't do so well in some other areas. And so fast forward a few months, and I'm in my prayer time because I'm trying to, you know, improve that. And I felt led to do something I hadn't done in a really long time, to fast. Now, my previous experiences with fasting were awful, horrible have any of you participated in the World Vision 30-hour famine? Anybody? Okay, good. Most of you have been spared from this. So what they do is, it's actually a really good program, but 
But what they do is they take teenagers and they lock them in a room and they don't give them anything but Gatorade for 30 hours. And then they occasionally let you out to do like a service project or something. It's a good program, it's healthy and it's helpful, but what isn't healthy is 30 hours of nothing but Gatorade. Because the second key ingredient after water is sugar, right? And you're like, after you come out of that room for 30 hours and what it does to your body, my mom had to clean it up, but it was awful, just terrible. And I thought, I never want to do this again. So a couple years later, I came across what's known as a Daniel fast. Now, a Daniel fast is where you only eat fruits and vegetables and drink water, right? It's now called the paleo diet. But, uh, <laughs> and, so, and so I thought, I'm going to try this because at least I get to eat something. Now, mind you, I was a bachelor at the time, and my diet was primarily pizza and chicken wings, <laughs> right? So cold turkey, I'm going into veggies and fruit. And by day two, I was hoping to make it for a whole week, and by day two, I felt like I got hit by a truck. Nauseous, headache, I felt depressed. You know, they actually say that that's normal. I'm like, nothing, none of this is normal, right? Disappointment, discouraged, that was my experience with fasting. And so I wish I could tell you that what I'm about to tell you next was the still small voice of God whispering in my ear, but that didn't happen. Instead, this is what I believe God has revealed to me in the days and weeks and months since I've begun to understand fasting, and it quite simply is this. God was asking, will you fast? Because if you do, I'll fill you. Will you fast? Because if you do, I'll fill you. And that statement leads us to our take-home point, and the take-home point is the one point that I hope that we'll grab onto and take with us this week, and it quite simply is this. True fasting leaves us full. True fasting leaves us full. Now, if you're like me, some of you may be thinking, fasting leaves us full. Yeah, you're full of something to make a comment like that. (laughs) Fair. But as our scripture today will reveal, Jesus fully expects us as his followers to fast. It's just part of being in relationship with Jesus. And not only that, when we fast, there is a reward. There are blessings in the midst of that. So, If you have your Mountain Monologues booklet that we've been... Oh, that was happened to my connection card last time. But if you have your Mountain Monologues booklet, we've been going through throughout the year. The scripture's in there. Also, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I'd encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. And uh, if you don't have any of those things, the words will be up on the screen here in just one minute. But before that, let's pray. Father God, we would ask and pray that above all things, that as we delve into your word this morning that you would lead and guide and direct us, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your words would cut to our hearts, that they would change and transform us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Our scripture today says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So notice that Jesus starts out this section with a really clear expectation. He says, when we fast. Not if, but when. When we fast. To be a follower of Jesus is to be someone who fasts. Those two things are to go together. 
In Scripture, we have numerous examples of people who have fasted for a variety of reasons and at a variety of times. Just off the top of my head, Moses fasts as he's leading the Israelites. King David fasts when it becomes clear that the child that is to be born out of the adulterous relationship between he and Bathsheba is probably going to die. That was a tough one. Daniel fasts several times. Queen Esther asks the entire nation of Israel as they're in exile to fast before she approaches the king. In the New Testament, Jesus fasts for 40 days in the wilderness before he's tempted by the devil, and then he starts his public ministry. In the book of Acts, Cornelius fasts, and as a result, Peter shows up, preaches the gospel message to Cornelius and his family, and the entire family is saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. So scripturally, fasting is sometimes done as an individual, sometimes as a group or an entire nation. Sometimes fasting is private, other times it is quite public. And not only that, sometimes fasting is done one time, sometimes it's done for a number of days, and sometimes it occurs annually on a holiday or, thing, or, a, or such a special occasion. Fasting happens in a lot of ways. Now, you're probably saying, well, Pastor Barry, how does that jive with what we just read, what Jesus' words, what he said, where he says we're supposed to do this in secret? And that's true. We are supposed to do these things in secret. Because, as we've learned the past couple weeks, as Pastor Chris spoke on giving and generosity, as he spoke on prayer, the hypocrites in Jesus' day oftentimes did this for show, right? Now, it's interesting because fasting in and of itself is a pretty private affair, right? Unless you eat lunch with someone every day or have dinner with them, how would you know if they were fasting? How is it even possible? But in Jesus' day, the religious leaders would do this crazy stuff. As I looked into the history of it, it's almost absurd. They would take cosmetics and makeup and paint their face to, as one scholar said, make themselves look like death. That's interesting. They would put stuff in their hair. They would mess up their beards, which I would never do. That's just too far. And then they would strategically do it on Mondays and Thursdays. And you're going, well, why Mondays and Thursdays? Because Mondays and Thursdays were market days in all the villages, towns, and cities. It's when people did their grocery shopping. And so imagine you're a commoner in Israel, and you go into your town, your city, whatever, to do your shopping for the day. And as you walk into the market, you're met with these people that look like death. And it's a constant reminder to you how holy they are and how holy you aren't. And so, we would commend those folks. We would give them praise. And Jesus says, absolutely not. That's not the way that it should be. He's calling out the religious leaders of the day, who, as we've learned the past couple weeks, would stand in the places of honor, sit in the places of honor as well, announce prayers with trumpets, and they would do all of these things to announce their fasting. We are not to do the same. Instead, we learn that fasting is to be an act of obedience, not an act of show. Fasting is an act of obedience, not an act of show. Pastor Chris mentioned the past couple of weeks of which scoreboard uh, do we want to pay attention to, the scoreboard of men or the scoreboard of God? For the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were looking for the praise of men. That was their scoreboard. We are to pay attention to God's, and so the reward that we are to seek is from the Father Himself. 
Now, the scripture today does mention a reward. And what is the reward? Well, I love this little phrase, and it's actually a collection of a couple of phrases I've come across, and it quite simply is this. As we're obedient to God, sometimes the reward we experience is internal. We're changed or transformed. Sometimes the experience, or sometimes the reward is external, right? The situation is changed, or there's a blessing that we receive, but the reward is always eternal. God is blessed when we are obedient to Him. So sometimes the reward is internal, sometimes it's external, but it is always eternal. So whether we fast as part of prayer or trying to discern God's will or whatever the reason, we know this, that fasting ultimately helps to remind us who we are and who God is. I read my utmost for His highest every day. It's a devotional that's put out by uh, Oswald. It was put out by Oswald Chambers, and it's online, and I read it every day, almost every day. And there was a quote in there that I thought was quite helpful in regard to fasting, and it quite simply is this. Much of the misery in our Christian life comes not because the devil tackles us, but because we have never understood the simple laws of our makeup. We have to treat the body, our bodies, as the servant of Jesus. When, he says, when the body says sit and he says go, go. When the body says eat and he says fast, fast. When the body says yawn and he says pray, pray. Fasting helps us to narrow our focus, right? We willfully deprive the body in order to feed the soul. We empty ourselves that God may fill us. Let me say that again. We empty ourselves that God may fill us. Now, here's the great thing about fasting. It's simple. Pastor Chris often says a lot of times these things are simple, but they're not easy. And fasting is one of those things. It's like running. You just have to do it. Go. But there's an effort that's required, right? Or as I like to say, at some point, we actually have to put down the fork. Now, if you've never fasted before or it's been a very long time, I'm going to point you to a couple of tools and resources. The first is this list of seven things on the back of your sermon notes, and it's entitled, Pastor Chris's Notes on Fasting. We print this every year in our 21-day prayer and fasting emphasis that we do at the beginning of the year. If you've never fasted, these seven points are extremely helpful. Further, on the front of your notes at the bottom, you'll see a link to a website as well as a QR code. Either type that into your web browser or take your smartphone out, use the QR code, and it links you to the website Desiring God. And on that website, there's an article, you'll be linked directly to it, and it's the basics on how to begin to fast. What do I do if I have a health condition? What all can I fast from? How do I begin? We don't have time to get into all of that today, but these resources will very much help guide you to begin to fast. So we know that we need to fast. Jesus commands it. We know that fasting leads to blessing. But the ultimate question for me is, does my not eating actually change anything? Right? Like as we're generous, does it matter? As we pray, does it make a difference? Does not eating somehow affect the world around us? Absolutely it does. It has to. Jesus says as much. Now, this is, I, I think, a pretty deep insight, so I hope you can hang with me. But uh, one of the primary things that I've learned while fasting is when I don't eat, I get really hungry. 
Some of you will get that on the way home, right? But here's the underlying principle, right? My body doesn't control everything I do. Isn't it interesting in our culture where we have phrases like the heart wants what the heart wants, and if it feels good, do it, that fasting flies directly into the face of that? You know, how do those phrases hold up to the Apostle Paul, who says he beats his body and makes it, makes it his slave for the cause and the, for the cross of Jesus Christ? How does that work? I bet you Paul fasted because he understood that his body was not in control. Further, sometimes as I fasted, God has done more than I could have ever asked or imagined. More than I could have ever asked or imagined. Let's go back to 2017. So I've uh, lost a little weight. Pastor Chris has held me accountable. I'm working on the prayer thing. I'm struggling mightily with fasting, but I'm giving it a go. We're in Cambodia. We're wrapping up our trip. And so we decide to take a few minutes at the end of the trip to prayer walk the college campus where Faith Toomey ministers. And as we're walking through the campus, we meet some of her students, and we meet one student in particular. Her name is Kun. And Kun is about this tall, cute as a button, but she has this physical ailment where sometimes, sometimes she just passes out, sometimes for minutes, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days. And so Faith asks that we would pray for Kun, and so we do. And as we're praying, it's revealed to me that Kun is possessed by a demon. So I said to Faith, that girl has a demon. And she said, what do we do? And I said, well, obviously, we have to cast it out. And she said, how do we do that? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> Never done it before. But Pastor Chris is going to be back soon, and we're going to ask him. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit. We take Kun to the hotel. We're in the room, Pastor Chris, myself, Pastor Matt Geppert, Faith, and our interpreter, Odom. And we're praying for this young woman. And as we're praying for her, there's an image in my mind, and it's of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's up there with Peter, James, and John. He comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and I can only assume the encounters the other nine disciples, and they're trying to cast a demon out of a person, but they can't do it. So Jesus does it. He sets the person free. Later, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say to him, basically, what gives? Why couldn't we do it? And he says, sometimes... These ones only come out with prayer and fasting. I still get chills almost two years later because the next thought that came to my mind is, thank God you got me ready. Thank God you got me ready. And that young woman was delivered that very day. Now, you talk about the reward sometimes being internal, sometimes being external, but always being eternal. We got all three that day. Incredible. Now, I'm not so bold as to suggest that my fasting led directly to those results. I don't know that. But I do know this. I don't ever want to be unprepared ever again. And so because of that, I fast, usually once a week, usually from a meal or two, because I don't ever want to not be ready for what God may do. Now, I know, again, if you're like me, and if I were in your position, some of you, I know that I myself would say this, but Pastor Barry, stuff like that is supposed to happen on mission trips. Like, that kind of goes with the territory, right? It's true. If you've never been on a mission trip, go. It'll blow your mind. It's great. I recommend it to everyone. But does stuff like that actually happen here? 
Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. In my time back here in the States, a little under two years from that time in Cambodia, uh, I've tried to stick with those disciplines, the prayer, the generosity, and the fasting. Pastor Chris has continued to hold me accountable. And God has continued to do more than I could have ever asked or imagined. In the past couple years, over 14 instances where he's completely blown my mind. I always go to Pastor Chris to confirm and verify, because sometimes it's so unbelievable that I can't hardly wrap my mind around it myself. Over five people we know for sure have been healed. A leg, an arm, a heart, a back, cancer. We've seen that happen right here. Two of my very dear friends have been freed from demonic oppression, and we were able to play a part in that. A half dozen times there's been divine words of knowledge that I've encountered, which is when I know things that I shouldn't know naturally that lead to people becoming healed or renewed in some way. And there was one instance where we're pretty sure a guy should have died, but he didn't. Incredible and unbelievable. Far more than I could have ever asked or imagined. And God does that here, most of it in Saxonburg. It's not just there, it's here. I say to my wife on a regular basis, honey, welcome to the new normal. Welcome to the new normal. Because those instances are to be part of the normal, ongoing, everyday Christian life. It's what Jesus had in mind from the beginning. The fact that we don't see them is abnormal. We don't sensationalize. This is how it's supposed to be. And it's freely there for us if we are about what Jesus has called us to do. It's my hope that as I have the opportunity to share this story with you today, that many of you will continue to share the story, your stories, because I know many of you are the folks that I just mentioned. Now, I know this, that I can't always reveal to you what God has taught me. Oswald Chambers, again, is very helpful when he says, remember that you can never give another person what you have found, but you can cause them to have a desire for it. I can't give you what I have found in fasting, but I certainly believe that we can give you a desire for it. People will often say, how can we fast? How can we not? How can we not when God is so willing to pour out upon us these things? I'll tell you this for sure. It's, not sim- it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple. It's not easy. And there's absolutely no way that we can do it outside of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I would never have fasted if God hadn't prompted me to a couple years ago. I just love cheeseburgers way too much. I actually love cheeseburgers more than I love people sometimes. They're very comforting to me. But empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are able to do these things. And so it's my hope and prayer that as we live a life full of the Holy Spirit, We would fulfill what is our next step for today, and it quite simply is this. I will fast this week. Simple, but not easy. If you've never fasted before, again, I'd highly recommend these resources to you because they are very, very helpful. I would encourage you to read them and implement them as soon as you feel so led. But I would encourage you to do so this week. Because remember, as we are obedient, as we're generous, as we build that relationship with Jesus through prayer, 
and as we fast, there is a reward. Sometimes that reward is internal. Sometimes that reward is external. But that reward is always eternal. Because I have learned <clears throat> beyond a shadow of a doubt that as we fast, God does, in fact, fill us. True fasting leaves us full. And it's a life that is far fuller than, when, than one that does not. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, as we bow before you, we ask and pray that we would take the words of your Scripture, that we would follow them, that we would hear them, that they would change our life. Father, we thank you for the direction that you give us each and every day. We thank you for your patience. Father, we thank you for your prompting. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that even today you would begin to shift people's lives, shift our hearts, that we may be about your work. We thank you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we humbly pray. Amen.